Keep that in there. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Ryan just hit his leg pretty hard, and I use he used the word F. I use the F bomb. He used the F word. So the there you word. have it. Hey, dude, how was your uh, weekend? You, you, <laughs> you, seem, you seem frustrated. You seem tired. You, see, you don't look, you look good, but I know, you. I know you had a thing that rhymes with jury duty. I get, yeah, I got, I got nabbed for jury duty the last couple weeks, so... We've had to reschedule a couple of recordings. We have. We had I'm to. sorry about that. It's not your fault, man. We had. It's but, not. It's a pain in the ass. Did it, they pay you for that? No. No. Really. get paid. Not much. Like twenty bucks a day, maybe. And they reimburse bastard. you for some miles. Is that right? I'll tell you all about it when it's all done. But it's it's not quite done. I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. But uh, I hope you guys liked the first episode because Ryan kicked some royal ass. I mean, you did, man. The, the um, Brandon Routh episode, great for a first week. I thought, you know, the numbers killed. Uh, we want to increase those numbers. So we do ask you, man, please. We just, we're bringing you video. Uh, you can watch them on YouTube. You can still listen to them on all the uh, platforms. But Ryan's hard work it doesn't go unnoticed, especially to me. And I think the viewers are really loving it. Um, so go on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell. So the notifications, it notifies you when to, ah, you're YouTubing. Yeah. Well, you're I learning. Heard that's the way to do it. You know, <laughs> that's the way to do it. Um, yeah. Subscribe on YouTube to catch every great moment of inside you on video now, which is, uh, really exciting. Uh, I'm very happy with the video. You're kicking ass. And this episode is fantastic. And you know, what's great is Jess. I see her just laughing so loudly and like enjoying herself when she's like reviewing them before they go to air. And, you know, Bryce has got a kick, gets a kick out of it, who does the social and really helps us out here. Um, so I'm glad you guys like it. Uh, please spread the word, share the video links. You know, we want to start. Uh, yeah, we want to just get uh, going here and get some big numbers and uh, get some advertisers and, you know, get paid, I guess. Tomorrow night is Wednesday night and Left on Laurel, my band, we, uh, you know, we are getting back together. We don't play often, but we're getting together Wednesday at 7 p.m. tomorrow night and we're going to play a stage at. So go to stageit.com or wherever, and you can go on there and watch us do a little live show. It's always fun with Kent and Tom Lally and Danson and Carl McDowell from Ballers. You know, Carl, he's the bassist. So um, I remember you listened to the songs in, in the beginning, a couple of them we played for you. Yeah, I got, I got a big old LP. You do? In my apartment that's, that I have to... You got to frame that sucker, <laughs> I gotta man. Frame it, yeah. You got to frame it. You're not <laughs> framing shit. So anyway, there'll be prizes tomorrow night and all that. Uh, also want to shout out to Patreon. All, all my patrons, if you love the podcast and you want to support in other ways and you're like, hey, I want to donate a dollar a month or whatever it is, there's tiers there. You can go to Inside of You on the Patreon. You can see uh, who the upcoming guests are. And uh, for, if you're on a certain tier, ask questions for certain guests. Uh, there's extra footage, bonus apps with me and friends inside of me where you ask me questions all on video. Um, merch packages for certain tiers. There's a whole bunch of stuff and I'm having a good time with it. I randomly just start texting people in it. It's like a little community. And um, so that's cool. So Patreon, if you feel ever so, what's the word? Inclined. Inclined. Good yeah. word. Good word. March 31st at the North Door in Austin, Texas. I'm interviewing Zach Levi. The first show is sold out at the North Door, the 730 show. But there's still some tickets for the later show with me and Zach. So Zach Levi, Shazam, Chuck, all that stuff. March 31st at the North Door in Austin. I'll be leaving to Mexico this week, Ryan. That's exciting. I'm excited for you. Yeah, it'll be fun, man. I, you know, the whole thing with the coronavirus and, you know, it's every, you know, people are trying to instill fear and 
I'm just going to be careful and, you know. Uh, wash your hands. Is that, that the key? That's it. That's if you all, wash your hands, you touch your face, you effed. I pick my nose. I shouldn't do that. I, I, but I think everyone is now realizing how much we all actually touch our faces on a like a minute-by-minute minute basis. It's a lot. Maybe I shouldn't pick my nose anymore. Maybe this will stop I, me from I mean, I do it nose. too, but, I mean, we can't prevent it. Oh. So, Mexico, we're coming to you. La Mole uh, for four days. We're doing a Smallville Nights, Tom Welling and I. Uh, also, quickly, Miami. I'll be doing a con May 9th. I'll be there for the weekend. Tom Welling and I were doing Smallville Nights in Miami, uh, a con there. We're also doing St. Louis Wizard World on June 5th uh, in a Smallville Nights. If you haven't seen it, you're in for a treat. Uh, the one we just did in Richmond was off the off the chain, man. You, you do not use there. that lightly either. No, I didn't. And, uh, oh, I just want to say one more thing. Uh, I think, Ryan, I might have told you about this, but I, I, I've been to these adult summer camps. So I've decided I've always wanted one. My friends have always said, dude, this is you. Why don't, I mean, they don't even think of me like, dude, you should be in a big movie. You should, you should own, you should have your own summer camp. So I bought the rights for a summer camp that I created called Camp Rosie. And uh, my buddy is working with me and um, we are going to throw a adult summer camp an hour North of Los Angeles or, you know, where I live. And it is going to be Halloween. So two nights, two full days, all your meals included, bedding. You're in a cabin. You got your bunk. Uh, it's a community. All your meals. You even got gluten-free stuff. Uh, it's going to be incredible. We got crazy DJs, a Friday night 80s party. We're going to have a Saturday Halloween costume party. Both are costume parties. It is the most fun you'll ever have. It really is because I've gone five years in a row, but I've always wanted to do my own. So I'm breaking away and I'm doing it. So tickets will come up soon. I'm just giving you a little, you know, tweet me, Instagram me, message me, whatever. And and if you're interested, let me know. It is going to be fantastic. And uh, the prices and all that stuff will be coming up in Eventbrite soon. And if you keep listening, you'll get a discount, uh, something off your ticket if you buy early. So Camp Rosie is coming around the corner. That's coming. That's about all I have to say. Make sure you donate. If you're going to donate any money to anything, maybe uh, Ronald McDonald House of Los Angeles or anywhere you're around. They're, they're all over the world. Food on Foot, Echoes of Hope for Foster Youth, Food on Foot for Homeless. Uh, great organizations helping people. And um, I can't thank you enough. Um, stick stick around after because uh, after this beautiful interview, I'm going to read some of the shout outs for uh, Patreon, uh, talk about a couple other things. And uh, so uh, this this guest was pretty cool. This was, This is a good one. Uh, he got deep too, man. I love when people get deep and he really talked about his dad. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Cause he, he got a little emotional. You could tell there was, there yeah. were those moments. Yeah. Did you zoom in on that moment? Zoom in. Would that be weird if you just zoomed <laughs> just in, like, like popped it in his eyes? Look, there's a tear. No. Just animated um, some tears on him. When people get emotional. I get a little emotional. And, uh, this guy is wonderful. We worked years, years ago together on a short film. He broke out and did a bunch of stuff. I went my own way. Um, and he became a big hit on the show called Silicon Valley. Funny as hell. You know him, the bearded guy. He's he's brilliant. I love him. Uh, consider him a friend. He plays football with me on occasion. Well, he played once eight years ago. But uh, without further ado, let's get inside of Martin Starr. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Uh, you realize podcasting is kind of like an audio experience. <laughs> You'll never know which is which. <laughs>
How's everything going, man? I haven't seen you in a long time. I wanted to say that I, I really wanted to give you a hug at least, and that was nice. That's you know, it's going it's going really well. It's going better than I thought it would go. Okay. So just it, life in general. Lately, you still got your looks. I don't know about that. I just had uh, some laser treatment on my uh, oh. precancerous uh, okay. spots. I thought you were going to say something else. Oh, my wiener? I don't know, dude. Uh, people do laser for all the wrong reasons in this city. Have you ever had anything lasered off your genitals? No, but uh had a scary pimple once. On your genitals? It was not in a visible area, and I can see my entire genitals. Was it above the, for lack of a better term, nutsack? Nope. Below, it wasn't below between that and the uh, you know that other area. It's a soft sell song, the tainted love. You said it. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was. Okay, in well, the, that's, it was in that's there. obviously not a disease. A disease. No, it was disease. And sorry, no, disease wasn't involved. It was painful, and then it never happened again. Could have been so. a boil. I was young. No, 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 boils last. I think they do. I thought I had a boil on my nose once. I did have a boil on my nose uh, during the filming of the show. You boil it off? Uh, they, uh, guys I'll let myself in. out. I'm sure this is the end of the interview now. Do, yeah, that's it. When we're getting into boils and genitals. and uh, Wait, so yeah. what happened? You, you Well, they, they just put a needle in it. It was the most painful thing. Imagine like gripping something almost to the point where it's like clay and then you're actually gripping wood. You're almost melting. You're almost going through that with your hands, the wood, because you're, it's in, you're so much, you're bracing on for you dear life. You broke a chair. Well, I was on a table, but I had, there were these little metal levers at the, and I remember just, it was like, okay, this is going to hurt, but through your nose. A lot of nerves Have you ever there. had like a zit on your nose? Like oh, right on the, the worst. The worst. It's in that spot. Yeah, it's terrible. And he was like going, a needle, needle, needle. And I'm just going, that face you make. I guess you're going to see my face. I was, it was everything I took to not. You probably don't want to move that much. I don't know what the situation was. With the boil removal. Yeah. It wasn't a removal. It was more like, hey, let's get the inflammation down. I'll never do that again. I'd rather have a Peter Boyle on my nose and act it out. Yeah. Then go through that again. What about the other Boyle? Who's that woman who's a great singer? But Susan, Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Ooh. Susan Boyle. What happened to her? I mean, she, the real question is, what ha, who what was ha, she? What happened to her? No. No, no, sorry. No. It's all in how you say it. Well, really, she was nobody. And then she became somebody. So it wasn't what happened to her. Oh, no. Uh, See, I guess it is what happened to her, because then she rose so fast, and then yeah. what happened to her? Oh, she had such a good life, and then what happened to her? What happened to we her? We ruined her. Do we say that to each other Hollywood. constantly, Hollywood? It's like, what happened to Martin Starr? What do you mean? I'm on Silicon Valley. But what happened? Not anymore. Now it's going to be, what happened to Have they all aired yet? Oh, yeah, we're done. Season six. When are you going to air this? In the past? Because <laughs> then I'll, I'll adjust accordingly. Um, no, the season hasn't come out yet. We're uh, yeah, no, exactly. No, no, we no. It's I'm kidding. Oh, uh, okay. It so I got to watch it. Come and gone. Back to the genitalia. We don't I'm kidding. That. We're not going to go there. Have you seen? When's the last time you saw Elizabeth Allen? That's what I was. Okay, ask let's you. get into that. So, all right. So, so, uh, so you and I met on the set. I don't oh, know yeah. what year it was. Break it down for the visual. Yes, we for our viewers. So here's what happened. Yeah. We met on a, on a short called Eyeball Eddie, mm-hmm. and it was about a kid with a glass eye. That was your first uh, acting performance in film, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, had, I grew up out here, so I did things here and there, but that was the first thing that I got to, like, that, and then the pilot for Freaks and Geeks happened right around the same time. We did, right. We did the pilot. You became and, famous pretty quickly. And then, oh, yeah, everyone saw Freaks and Geeks. Everyone saw Freaks and Geeks 20 years uh, later. It's probably the biggest um, cult thing that ever happened. Now, it, it did more for your career but probably no than one it would have lasted. It. Uh, you know what? In some ways, and I think in other ways, it would have been maybe detrimental. If the only thing I had done, like if if 
seven years later or eight years later, the only thing that I had done was that. I'd, it would have been much harder to break out of that. You know what's good news? Is that if that makes sense, you weren't a dick probably on set because Judd Apatow started casting you, so you didn't really know what Judd Apatow was going to do other than Freaks and Geeks. He hadn't really done much other. Well, than... He had produced a lot. I mean, but he, he'd actually been a part of a, a lot of great things. Like what? Um, I'm not ben, saying he's Ben Stiller's show. Um, I mean, his his producing resume is massive. But I'm talking about like he blew up after Freaks and Geeks. I mean, knocked up all these other movies that came out. It well, just it was, I think it was really knocked up that said it. Or Forty Year Old Virgin, right? That was first. Forty-year-old version was version. The forty-year-old version of forty-year-old virgin, which comes out in twenty-seven years. uh, That that movie, I think, really exploded his um, people's awareness of him. Yeah, you were a nice guy in the set. He liked you, obviously. There was probably some people on set that were a little trouble that didn't work as much. Maybe I was trouble. You are. You were pain in the ass. We were all trouble. Do you think he didn't like? If you had to guess, kids. But one person he didn't like. One person Apatow didn't like on that set. If you had to think about it, it wasn't James Franco. What does that mean? Well, because he put him in a lot of stuff, didn't he? Yeah, I don't, but I don't know that that. I also don't know that that necessarily dictates the way people people's working relationships work. Weirdly, I I always find it confusing when you meet someone who, and I'm not going to get into a name game on this, but when you meet people who are who are difficult, and they and their careers aren't hurting because of that. Does that make sense? I think this is a business where, and perhaps any business where you're really sought after, it just kind of depends on the individual and people will kind of take what they can business-wise and suffer the consequences in other ways. Wow. You just said something that I really didn't think was the case. You're but saying it, but that still that kind of someone, happens. I think, it, I yeah. think it happens less now than it used to. Right. But if someone's difficult on set and the, mm-hmm. and the director, the producer, the creator doesn't really like them, but they blow up. He's going to like, well, we have a relationship. I'm going to put him in something else, see if he does it. That or, kind of or thing. Or he's valuable. The people have value in foreign markets. And if you can get a movie made because you've got somebody in it, you'd take a hit sometimes, I suppose. Um, those aren't decisions that I've made. So I, I don't really, I can't speak to it on my own behalf, but I just watch it happen. Right. All right. Before we get into some stuff, I, I want to go back. I want to go back before you start, because obviously you've got a great career. I mean, Hey, yeah. party down that's why Silicon we're here, right? Valley and lots of movies. And all that's, that's that's all great. It's all, but that's not. What really, is the point of this podcast? Well, I, didn't, I, I was I, just going to tell you. You oh, probably great. didn't listen to it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, and the point really is, is I don't. You know, if I want I want to talk about your career, is and it I called want, Inside of You? Inside of You, the Michael Rosemont. At least you, it's right behind you. It says that. No, it's behind you. But I feel like if you want to talk about your career and just the things you're doing, and look at me, I'm Martin Starr, and tell a quick, funny, witty story. You go on Fallon. You go on. Whatever. Which but, I don't. But if people want to go, I want to see who Martin Starr is. And I think Rosenbaum can get to the bottom of it <laughs> without interrogating you and making He's going to get inside. You know, I think you. it's, look, it's always become therapy for me. This stuff has been therapy for me. And then it becomes sort of therapy for everyone. Yeah. And, and hopefully you get something out of it. And I think people have a good time. Already it's it. good to reconnect with you. I love it. And by the way, although you, I knew you when you were like, you were a kid, you're 10 years younger than me. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know how old I was. I was probably 26. Five, yeah, we were, you were fifteen. Those are incompatible ages, right? But now we're not that far in age. We're you're thirty eight. We've been through similar things. Like I think at some point it just levels off, right? Like there's yeah. a, there's the rise of growth and development and all that you're learning. And at some point you kind of get the way everything works, mm-hmm. and then it's it all fluctuates based on how much you put into life, really. Well, I think you have put in a, a lot into life. Thanks. <laughs> 
cool. It's always good to see you laugh because many of your characters don't laugh. Right, yeah. <laughs> They're not big laughers. They're usually like, I'm going to throw something at you and fuck you. Well, that's what I did for the last six years. You didn't, by the way. I, you know, but it all the, it's all, it's all, yeah. I get to do a lot of things. I mean, Spider Man, it's a very like different character, fun, quirky. Yeah, and it's fun to do it all. What were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna get back to like, you know, your parents were divorced, right? When I met you, yeah, is that right? Yeah, they divorced when I was four. When you were four, now that couldn't have been like. Uh, it's probably something you're dealing with and you think, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. But you probably have these things that attach to you growing up that you're like, oh, my parents are divorced. My dad's on her. Now, there was a divorce, right? They were both a big part of my life. They were. Yeah. My, my mom had custody for a short period of time. Well, she had full, she had one full custody, especially then. I think it was support the mother when it came to the legal matters like that. In a divorce, the, the mother usually gets custody which is probably still somewhat the case but i would imagine now they kind of look at everything at all the details um where then it probably should have been split custody shared custody right but they just were like the, you know her lawyer went in and fought hard and and a, a year after she won sole custody she i think recognized that i needed a father that i needed my father just to be a part of my life and so she didn't want to because she was fighting with him and didn't like him and they had uh, a difficult relationship. She didn't want that to, she right. came, she came to her senses in a way that was, I, I appreciate now so much that it could have gone totally differently. Well, that's incredible that your mom's, you know, cause a lot of women or men, depending on who has custody would be like, fuck that. You're not gonna be with that asshole. She did. I that. don't care. She did that for a while. Yeah. But what was the turning point? I think the, especially on a boy, the effects of not having your father, like you act out emotionally. I'm sure at some point she just saw that the, it was probably having a, neg a negative effect that she could see that was tangible. And she made the right decision. Do you think it was one of those moments where you're like, she was like, I can't take this anymore because you're just like, ah, blah, 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 and you're like, you know what? He needs to have some Maybe. time with dad. Maybe. He's flipping out on me and I am taking all the, the brunt we of this a shit. Lot. You did. What did you fight but about? But not until I was older, I don't think. Like when you're younger, I mean, that's what happened, you yeah. love your parents. They're, and they're, they're the perfect yeah. person. Not, and then you realize, they're wait guys. a minute, you're fucked too. Yeah. Well, th then they become the opposite. Then they know nothing and you know everything. And at some point you like figure out. You hope It's, hope it's so. a mix of. Yeah. I, I, I still don't think they know anything. Are your parents still together? No. No, they, they divorced probably 17 years ago. My mom is in her third marriage. My dad just divorced for his second time. But he was in a marriage for so 20... They, so they were together when... For 27 years. When we shot Eyeball Eddie. He, uh, I think they got divorced... Because that was more than 17 years ago. They were probably married around then. And it was really hard on me because I remember my mother was uh, calling me and saying... Saying crazy shit. You say crazy shit when you're going through a divorce. And she's hurt. And I get up and like, I can't live anymore. I don't want to live. And I'm like, please don't kill yourself while I'm on a show, my first show ever. I don't want to get fired when I have. You know, <laughs> it wasn't that. This is Smallville. Um, was it Smallville? No, I don't think they got. Uh, yeah, maybe it was Smallville. It was Smallville. Okay. I remember actually, it was the. Uh, I remember the the room I was I was staying at this apartment, this little studio apart apartment, and I remember I was starting to get a little anxiety then because it was. I mean, you, I'm sure you sensed it as a kid. You saw the fighting, even though you, they separated when you were four, right? Yeah, yeah. But well, you still yeah. felt it, right? Oh, constantly. Well, they were fighting with each other through me for, for a while. 
because you feel that like they're they're now fighting each other and i'm in the middle and they tried to avoid that but i heard them fight all the time what was that movie kramer versus kramer did mm. you feel like a kramer versus kramer kid uh, i didn't see that movie so i don't know well it was just a tug of war and then the you know i think the what was it? What was the other movie? Irreconcilable differences. What was the movie where the kid divorces the parents? Oh, <laughs> anyway, it was a movie. Sounds like a comedy. But were you just? <laughs> but did you have that hope as a kid? Like I wanted to get back together. You think there was? Did you ever think there was any hope of that? Or you're like, there's this is never happening. I never thought about it because in in conscious in in my consciousness, I never knew them to be together. Like right. when you're four years old, life hasn't really formed around you yet. You're still figuring out so much. So. I knew that there were changes happening, but I couldn't put my finger on it until I was much older. And at that point, I was so accustomed to them being apart that it didn't make sense for them to be together. Yeah. And they fought so much. Like, they didn't get along. Were they drinking or anything like that? It was, or was it wasn't had anything to do with that. They just didn't get along. Yeah, my da- I know my dad had a drinking problem before they were married and maybe at the beginning of their marriage. Um, but when I knew him, he didn't. He would drink non-alcoholic beer. And loved it. Just loved it. So you never saw him lit for the most part? No, not until I was older. And then he like would drink a little bit more, but he never drank a lot. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he never got like fall down drunk. I never, I never had that experience. That's good. Did you hate like, you know, uh, seeing your mom dating guys as you get, were getting older and you're like, fuck, this is not my dad. This is, were you just rebellious? No, she went on a date with uh, Bill Cartwright once, and I Bill came, Cartwright from the Bulls, the basketball I, player. With the... I, I came up to like probably the bottom of his scrotum. Like <laughs> I must have been like nine years. old. Did you old see any or... boils? Nah, no, no, oh, he was wearing pants. Oh, I good. wasn't like, thank God. I wasn't man. like, how was that, Mom? And then he comes out. And I'm just like, whoa, what are those? Hey, sir. Whoa. Um, he <laughs> he was just in our house at some point. I know my mom went on a date with him. That was it. I knew no details other than that. I just remember thinking, oh, that's cool. Did he say hey to you? Like, hey, man, how's it yeah. going? Yeah, super. I was, it hurt my neck to look up. <laughs> he was very tall. And he was nice. And were you like when they didn't work out? You're like, what? Can't, why couldn't you make but that Mom, work out? That would have been my awesome. New dad. Uh, yeah, I did not. I didn't think about it in those terms. She, she, uh, her longest relationship was in my teens. And that went into my 20s with a guy named Frank. Frank. Who we all lived together at some point from like 16 to... I moved out at 17, uh, and then I like, came back. F- uh, like when I was living there when we, we did I Eddie. And there was one night, oh, my God. I can't imagine the feeling. Do you remember that group of kids? Because it was just a bunch of U- USC kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, Elizabeth Allen led the charge. But, but all the producers and everyone else, they were all like pals from USC making everyone's kind of short films together, I think, as, as that happens, I right. guess, as you're going through film school. And... I went to the party, our rap party, and I was 16, and I got, I didn't know you don't drink different alcohols together. No one showed me the ropes. That was the first time, like I'd had alcohol before, but I was 17, so this was like- You're mixing was, beer and liquor. It was on a new level. Yeah, oh, there yeah. was like vodka in a watermelon, and I had some of that, and then I drank some like whiskey with some shit in it, and then a beer, and- and I was just like, I can drink anything. Cut to me laying down behind it. I remember putting my head down, thinking that the carpet was very comfortable. Laid down, out. Woke up in my bed the next day, and my mom said that she watched my limp body get dragged in by the USC kids that I was working with. 
and they were so apologetic that they had like and I vomited in someone's car. Everyone told me this afterward. I don't remember a moment of it. I felt like now I feel bad thinking back to how much that must have. They were worried I was dead. Fully worried I was dead. Bringing a dead body and to, you really to, never the, drank to my mother. That much before then. Not like that. Obviously. And I haven't gotten blacked out drunk uh, many times in my life. So you have blacked out after that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> blacking out right now. Um, <laughs> I am shit there. <laughs> but... But Frank was in your life for for a little while, and did, ultimately, did you like him for whatever? For what yeah, was I think he was a nice guy. He really tried his best. I don't he think he, he and my mom were quite meant to work out, but right. he tried his best to like be helpful to me, and he saw ahead of the game. I remember he uh, he was there when Freaks and Geeks happened, and he was like, I, I bought the domain martinstar.com. And I was like, oh, oh, cool. And this was, it was like just Before, becoming a thing, right. but it was like not huge yet. And now all of it has evolved. Like if now you, it's not .com, you want to get your own app. If you don't have your Martin Starr app, you know, what, what you have you done for with it? life? No, he got it for me as, as like a gift, but it was just like, he was just kind of thoughtful and business minded like that. So he had thought that that would be valuable. I never ended up using it. So Frank, do you ever talk to Frank now? Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I caught up with him once in New York. And it was kind of nice? Yeah, I think he lost his wife to cancer recently. Uh, I think I met with him before that happened, but I know she was sick when I saw him. Um, he's a, he is he's a yeah he's a nice guy. He's that's a, good. There's not a lot of people kids that could say that you know when their mom dates some guys and you know she goes you know it's not like she went through a lot of men. I'm just saying you know then all of a sudden you're like you know Frank I'll I'll go meet with Frank I don't talk to him a lot but it's nice that you had some kind of relationship. Yeah, I Did mean he was drive your dad fucking crazy though. He was there for formative years. No, my dad wasn't jealous like that. I th- he was very thoughtful in that way. He He's w- still with you, right? No, my father passed away. When did that happen? Uh, just over five years ago. Ugh. Um, he had ALS. And uh, that was real difficult to witness, to like be a part of it in some ways. Doesn't happen fast. It happened. It, takes, it took him a while. But it, for a long time, it was time spent wondering what's going on because his body just it didn't make sense to him anymore it he, he was he had low energy like the the effects aren't um always tangible they're not visible like you don't see all the side effects it's hard to pinpoint exactly what the problem is and so he came out i remember at one point he came out to la and this is definitely when he was being affected by als and he but he didn't know what it was yet and none of the doctors that he had saw could even like get into that genre of issue. They just kind of tried to deal with um, his energy issues. So then just, he said, just woke up, just had no energy. Yeah. I slept and I can't, I, I can't zapped. get through a day. Because every day I think he felt zapped and, and then, and it would aggravate him. So then he would spend energy angry. And it also makes you ang- probably anxious and get anxiety going. I'm, I'm anxious from being tired. Yeah. Of thinking I'm going to be too tired to accomplish the tasks or whatever. Essentially, ALS is like your body shutting down while you're still in it. And that was at the beginning of Silicon Valley, the success of Silicon Valley, right? When he passed? Yeah. It was either the first, yeah, the first year that we went to the Emmys, I didn't make it because I was with him. And, uh, and it, and it was, I don't know, it was, there, there was some, there's something, there's something kind of joyful because that experience meant so much to me now. And all of those people that I got to work with mean so much to me. 
that for my dad to kind of be there at the beginning of it, to kind of to watch that rocket take off and appreciate it, uh, kind of makes it even that much more special to me. Yeah. And in particular, I see that uh, Kumail came and did your podcast. He, yeah, he was great. He was, my dad loved his character the most uh, on the show because in our, because I, I think he had a pretty accurate perception of it, which was that Kumail is the heart of the show. He's, he, you know, and, and that might fluctuate a bit, but he always wore his heart on his sleeve unlike a lot of the other characters who are kind of being conniving and, or, or who are closed off, fully closed off. Like the character I played. And your dad um, liked that about him. He yeah. liked that character. Well, it was, it was relatable. He was, he could connect. You can connect with someone who's open like that. Right? Yeah. And he just really liked him and appreciated, you know, how, how, where that comedy came from and, you know, where that character came from. Um, I could see you get like, I could see you getting a little emotional yeah. Maybe you're wrong, but I, I can just see how much like you just I, I could see moments that you're going through in your head of like uh, to kind of touch me. And I'm thinking you know, I can just see you seeing your dad and how he reacted. I could just like all oh, that was going through your eyes. It's crazy. But, um, you know, it's nice that you a lot of people don't have that that experience of, you know, when they lose someone tragically or whatever. But you feel like he got to see your success. He got to see all these things. You have these great memories. You have that. He was always a good father. He was there, even though they were divorced. I mean, that's kind of a, that's rare, right? Yeah. It's, um, I don't, I guess I don't know how rare it is because I only have my own experiences, but it's really, a, it's, I, I don't take it for granted. Yeah. I feel really lucky. He was, um, I mean, he was very much like that. He wore his heart on his sleeve in a lot of ways and really tried to do it more and more. The older, he got, <clears throat> um, but he made a lot of mistakes when he was younger too. And I think he tried to recognize those and make, not make them again, which is really the best thing you can hope for in a life. Cause we're all going to make mistakes. And some of those are pretty tough to, to recognize and deal with. But if you do your best not to continue that cycle, once you're aware of it, th I mean, it's so hard too. Yeah, it can be very difficult. I mean, yeah, to me, that's, uh, you know, whatever happened to you as a kid, uh, you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Or if I wasn't loved a certain way, I'm going to love more. And he did that. That was one of the things actually I think he did pretty well. Because I don't think he felt a lot of love from his parents. And he also fucked up with, uh, fucked up, like he he'd, had been through a marriage before my mother. Then they divorced and he got married again. And in his first marriage... I don't think he really knew how to love and he was figuring that out and had a lot of anger issues. But by the time he had me, he had figured out what, you know, how to be a, a parent at least a bit more. And his dad, I don't think was super present and ended up leaving his family to go start a new family at some point and just like fully left for just abandonment four issues. kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was when he was, I think when he was older, so it, it, it still happened. Like you still deal with it, but it, you're like fully formed as a human being. And then you're like, wait a second, where did my dad go? And he's just <laughs> oh off with a, with a new family. He was, for me anyway, he was very present. I, I, I had a very fortunate experience with him. And I know that my half siblings from his first marriage didn't have the same experience. And, it, and there are times where I feel guilty. Yeah. And it pains me that 
we don't all kind of share the same experience and the same type of love for him. Have they ever reached out or do the people reach out to oh, you? Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty close. Yeah, You are? Yeah, my brother and I, uh, while we are fairly kind of different people and in some ways um, it makes it, um, I don't know, we, it's more that there's distance, you know? He lives in D.C. and I live out here, so we don't see each other too often. But he has a huge heart and, and we try and stay connected as much as we can, but it makes it hard with the distance. My two sisters... Uh, Annie and Carrie, they both live up in near Portland, um, in in Vancouver, Washington. You visit every once in a while. Really sweet, yeah. Uh, Carrie and I have stayed the closest. Carrie and I, she's she's just a fucking awesome lady. I'm, yeah, I'm like there are those times. I'm sure you feel this way. I feel like this is part of the human experience, where you look around you and you're like, wow, I'm so lucky. I'm lucky that I I'm lucky that I had a dad who at least by the time he had me he kind of figured it out somewhat and I had a really good connection with him. I'm lucky that with him came a great brother and this fucking awesome uh sister and another sister who probably struggles and like is trying to figure her shit out but um to have like Harry in my life is so incredible. That's being grateful. You know, yeah. that's, you know, they always say the, the best thing you could do for your health is just be grateful, be genuinely grateful. So you saying these things, it's just like, it's, it, it, to me, it, it does make sense. I don't know how many times people have said, just wake up, say things you're grateful for before you go to sleep, say the things you're grateful for. Isn't it a weird thing that you'd like, people need a reminder? And maybe, and, and I'm sure I do too, a, fa- I, a, fair, do. a fair amount of times, but it is kind of an interesting thing that it doesn't, that it doesn't come as naturally as it should. Well, I mean, even, uh. I wasn't going to say this because it's, you know, this, when this airs, this will be a little time, but you know, the Kobe Bryant's passing, Ooh, right? Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's weird because, you know, when Bowie passed, it was like, oh, David Bowie, legend and all these other people, but you know, people are in their sixties or seventies or whatever they've had uh, for some reason, maybe because I, you know, I met him, I've seen him, play. it was just, he's this 40 year old guy he's and his 13 year old daughter. And it, the thing that hit me most is, which is true. It, Nothing matters except connection and love. Nothing, like nothing. And people forget, my point is, is we just say, yeah, yeah, love everybody. And we're in the moment and everybody's Instagramming and tweeting each other, right? And they're like, it doesn't matter if you have 500 million in the bank and you have, you know, all this fame and you can live wherever you want, travel where you ever want. It, 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 it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. I mean, none of that matters because now he's gone. Yeah. Right. But it seems like the the interesting thing, which I didn't realize until now, seeing all these clips of him, uh, is that he really seemed to live a full life. It was he was paying it forward. Yes, he, he was, really was. He was helping so many people and yeah. present in so many people's lives in a way that was intimate and and considerate and not and altruistic, su- not superficial. Yeah. yeah. What a beautiful lesson to learn. And um, then his time just we don't know. And we could always just say it when something tragic happens. Stay close to your loved ones. Yeah. Call your mother. Call your this. You can't live in perpetual, I love you. This is the last time. Yeah. But you could be more aware. Yeah. You could be more aware of the people you're talking to and appreciate them more. Hi, Ryan. I, I appreciate you. You know, and, I, and so that, you know, I, I, when I think of that, you know, and I think of your dad and I think of like, you know, being present and being in those moments and having those moments. And it's really, that's all we have, our moments. That's it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter when you die and you have done all these credits. What does that mean? Nothing. It doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Thanks for getting deep with me there for a second. Can I share two stories with you about my dad? I'd love it. They're just kind of two things that I think embody who he wanted to be all the time. But we're all, um, while he was, so he was so sick when he was his sickest that his legs were as thin as my arms. And I could see when he came and picked me up at the airport, came to pick me up in a car and he was driving and his legs were so thin and frail that it didn't make sense to me that his body was capable of moving the car, pushing the pedal down. But he acted as if nothing was wrong because it was really the first time I'd seen him since this had really hit. Did he acknowledge it? Did you acknowledge yeah. it? Did you well, say I said, uh, yeah, I said, your dick probably looks massive. <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what did he say? Come on. Oh, we laughed. No, oh, we laughed. Did, yeah, this is oh, absolutely. He taught me the <laughs> sense of humor. Looks massive. Uh, so his body is so frail. And in the coming months, it got worse and it became difficult to put his own clothes on and, and things like that. And there was uh, a day when I think he realized that pretty soon he there was no way he was really going to be able to move himself in the way that he's become accustomed. And so he got up before his wife, uh, before my stepmom, and uh, and got in the car. She didn't know what was going on. It didn't make sense. Like she always kind of helps him get dressed and stuff at this point. And so she, so he just kind of snuck out, got in the car, went to Starbucks to get her coffee because she loves coffee in the morning, and and he knew how much it kind of means to her, and uh, just a simple thing, just a simple gesture of love, is is his motive. And he gets up and he goes to Starbucks, and they have drive-through windows out there. This is in Florida, and so he goes to the drive-through orders, and when he gets to the window, his arms are so weak that these two giant cups of coffee, he can only move one at a time. So he like grabs one, like the guy hands him two cups of coffee and he's like, yeah, yeah, just grab the one here, put that down and then grab the other one. The guy's like, holy shit, like what's going on with this guy? He said like the looks he got from this guy (laughs) were insane. And he was like, are you all right, bud? Should you be driving? And then, so he brings the coffee home, gets out of the car, sets the coffee in and she wakes up to two cups of coffee which he had to painstakingly go through so much effort for. And that was probably a small gesture for him uh, to show, I mean, it was a huge gesture in some ways, but for him to just show that he probably didn't pay enough attention. And that's, you know, he expressed that to me later. But that really he he was just like, there are so many times I didn't do the smallest things. That if I could go back, knowing what I know now, I would have done so much more. Um, so that's the sad. That's a sad. That's a like. I mean, it's well, it's, it's hard. Be- it's it's a beautiful story, but you know, it's like. But it's a yeah. It's like I could have done all these things, and to that in that moment, that was the hardest thing he could have done. Mm-hmm. Believe he, it or not, yeah, that was the hardest thing, and he wanted to do that to sh- just sh- show her some morsel of love. Uh, Love showing as much love as his body was capable in that experience. And I think that's, we're talking about it. So when people do pass away, they they did some science, they did some research about like, you know, what mistakes did you make or what would you change? I wouldn't work so much. I'd love more. I I do. There are all these things that they would do. And it's always the same thing, but it's hard to make someone in the moment as a young man or whatever, going through all these things going, yeah, but that's, 
But you, you should pay attention to those people because that's you in however many years. So do what you can now. And it's hard, but I think if you get in a routine of, of just changing what you do, and by the way, it makes you feel good. It does. There's nothing better oh, yeah. than being grateful. There's nothing better than doing other, an act of kindness for someone else. There's nothing, so much more it's such rewarding. a great feeling. Yeah. And I never knew that. I mean, yeah. I, I always felt like I was a good, good guy. But then once I started doing hands-on things, you're like, I mean, that's what it's about. That's it. That's, that's what's going to make you feel good. It's not going to be like a residual check or a job. That is what's going to make you feel good. Yeah. E easily one of the most rewarding things I do each year that I can make it is a charity in Kansas City. What's that called? It's called Big Slick. It's for the Children's Hospital, uh, Mercy Children's Hospital, or Children's Mercy Hospital in uh, Kansas City. And it's the, going to visit the hospital is easily the most rewarding hour of my year. Well, if you ever want to go to the Ronald McDonald House with me in Los Angeles, I go, to, I go every other Tuesday. Do you? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can love go. to. Yeah. I'd love for you to go. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in. I'll, yeah. I'll text you. Yeah. Um, What's the other story? This will be a bit lighter hearted. Uh, <laughs> I like and, the dick joke. And Donna, yeah, that's that was a good one. That's, it's in that vein. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, so <laughs> he, uh, so it was at a point where he was, uh, he couldn't go all the way to the bathroom. So I became like the shit remover of his portable toilet that we had in the living room. And he would sit in the living room and chant. I was raised Buddhist. And so he would sit and chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo to his altar uh, in a very hushed tone because that's all he really could get out because his lungs, like ALS, kind of affects the body in such a severe way. What's the chant? Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Loudly. Those are the words. But he says it loudly. He's chanting. He's saying it softly. Softly, yeah, because he can't really get, oh, can't get really the get, words out. Oh, of that okay, point. okay. When you're in a room full of people doing it, that's when in you're unison, right. that's when it's very gotcha. Like, there's a resonance to it that's powerful, and he had a very powerful voice when he would say that because he wasted so many words. He was a salesman. He was saying, "This is my karma for wasting so many words that my voice is taken away." <laughs> and so he was in the living room chanting, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta take a shit." And so he moves three feet to get on the portable toilet. And uh, and sits there, takes a shit, and he's taking a shit. And I walked into the room, and he just looks over his shoulder at me, and he says, this is why I don't get invited to parties anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. He never lost his sense of humor, which is... Yeah, you can't. You right. can't. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. 
It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. I got Rocket Money. <laughs> like I, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and they're it's charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's great. He was a good man. I, I see that. It's it's obvious the way you, you, you're, you're so com- so passionate when you talk about him and you know you keep him alive with your words man there's no doubt about that and your mom is she's in your life still she's you guys are tight yeah you probably got closer inadvertently almost we got closer i think more than anything was just age like she and i didn't in some ways we're just very different people and i and i allowed that to be um i allowed that to stop me from putting in effort because I didn't want to get hurt sometimes. Like we would fight and we we just kind of see the world in very different ways. And that ends up causing issues that I don't deal with in any of my friendships because I tend to be drawn to people who are like-minded um, and who I just get along with. And that said, you know, you always spend time with people who see different ways and those create amazing conversations. But when you're sitting around kind of enjoying life, you tend to just want to be with people you can joke around with and, it's easy. and have fun. It's easy. Yeah. And she and I don't kind of always have that um, connection, but we can laugh and have fun for sure. The thing that actually brought us the closest was uh, the the Los Angeles Clippers. I started going to, <laughs> really? yeah, I started going to a lot of games and she never really watched sports. 
I think she did watch sports in like college sports for her. Uh, she went to, um, she was a wildcat in Kansas, uh, Kansas state, not Kansas state. Um, well, Kentucky, Kansas, Kentucky no. wildcats. No, it's like, it's the Kansas wildcats, but it's, I don't know. I know there's, oh, it's not KU. It's Kansas state. So it's Kansas, Kansas state, state wildcats. wildcats. Gotcha. So she did like sports then ish, but I started going to Clipper games 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. And had season tickets and went with some buddies. And then she was, and I started taking her with me. And, and it was just, fun? Yeah. And we just like, it was like, there's this weird pressure that she would put on our relationship that was gone when we went to the games where usually our relationship was, so what are you doing? How's work? What's going on with you? You have a girlfriend. And it sounded like You're going to get married. Right. You're going to have kids. And all that shit evaporates. And mm-hmm. she's like, so what happened there? Why did, why did, why did they blow the whistle there? And so then I get being to, present just a moment right here. This yeah. is our moment. And I get to explain something to her that I know a decent amount about. Uh, I'm no expert, but I get to share with her a passion that I have and watch her grow a passion for it herself. And it like really helped connect us in a way where like now I don't have season tickets anymore, but I'm thinking about getting back into it. But it's just such a commitment. Yeah. 40, oh, yeah. 42 yeah, games yeah. or whatever. I tried to do the uh, Ram season. Oh, I and oh, went to one just, game. And, yeah. it was, and, it was, and that's playing. only eight, eight games oh, in, the, in the season. I couldn't even too. commit to that. Yeah. It's like, who wants these? <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> those you can sell, I think, for a good amount of money. You're probably uh, making money back. So now, even though I don't have those tickets, we still just talk about basketball right. when, I, when I see her. Well, I like it. It's great. I got to do, I gotta do more, more with, with that. I, I feel like, you know, I'm definitely getting to a place where I, I just don't want to fight anymore. Like you said, you don't have anything in common, really. So, but there are. I I just sort of I gravitate towards. Uh, let's talk about this. I know we could talk about this. Right. I talk about this, and you sort of like, not to be a dick, but I, I want things. Things are always on my terms or the other person's terms or our terms. Like in other words, if it's an easy friendship, you call me when you want. I'll talk. It, there's not. You don't even have to talk about it. But when there's certain I don't know, animosity or there's things like, you know, divorced parents and like, I have rules. You know, you're not going to talk about dad. You're not going to talk about mom. You're not going to talk about Lori, my sister. You're not going to talk about this. You want to talk to me about this. That's great. And we're not going to talk about money because Lord knows I've given you enough. And we're not going to talk about that. Let's talk about, you know, and sometimes it it's, I, I just do what I can. And I don't want to feel guilty. Like I think I, like I, I'm a good son. I think I'm a great son. I think I've done a lot. But I remember in the past, I'd get really short and I'd say some shit that I was just like, what the fuck? After I'd, I'd lose my mom no, oh, on the phone. I see. Like, oh, you are fucking spoiled. Why are we, you know, oh, you know and it would just be like, why am I doing this to myself? And those are the habits that you created at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And you just hold on to that. And yeah. so you repeat that cycle it's not good but it's deep shit like th- those aren't oh, easy yeah. things to break through yeah so good for you for for putting in the effort to try and figure that out i i go through the same thing where i know how irrational there are and i am in certain moments and i try to like break that down and not react the same way because it's it's up to me to yeah. change it she's i know at this point she's right. not going to change it absolutely not and part of it i've realized more recently is having boundaries up in how yes. I bring her into my life as opposed to what I let her do. She can do whatever she wants. And that can't be like, you can't having a relationship with those kind of demands is it's untenable because right. you, you can't control another person. But if I just 
alter the amount of um, access that she has and and bring her into the areas in which I feel comfortable. Mm, that's it. That's how that's how our relationship can There's really thrive. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and and it's it's actually great. We do uh, yeah. that in every relationship in some most in in the good ones those doors don't exist so you don't think about it as much. But there are ways in which you do and don't access particular areas of your life with everyone. Do you know what I do? No. Before I call my mother, I will take a deep breath. If I remember, I usually remember now. Hmm. I'll just, that was a little snotty. You getting over cold? No. Oh. And I go, okay. No. Um, you're going to be pleasant. You're going to be patient. You talk to yourself. She's going to annoy you, but it's okay. You're going to you know, say, I love you when you get off the phone. It's going to make her feel real good. It's going to make you feel nice. And uh, you're going to have a conversation and see what she's up to and really, you know, because I'm always interested, like, what are you, and it always becomes about something else and what I, you know, comparing and things You grew like up here, that. yeah? No. no, I grew up in Indiana, but I was born okay. in New York. But, okay. um, so I do sort of, this is what it's going to be. It's almost like when you're talking, you're about to talk to someone like a producer or something. I'll take a breath. What are you going to talk about? What do you need to get through instead of just getting on the phone? And go, oh, oh, so, hey, I just, I kind of need to connect for a second. I just need to get my thoughts yeah. together and just go, all right, listen, she's going to bring, just ask them how they're doing. Show the love, change the direction of the conversation. If it gets a certain way, ask how Gordon's doing. And I care. It's not about caring. It's like, I don't want to work myself up. I'm not going to get myself for I, I almost worked myself up just saying what I just told you. Talking just now, I thought about something. That's gonna be, anyway, so I get it. So you do. So you, find, you find your peace. I try to find my peace, and I try not. I don't want to yell anymore. I don't want to do it. You know, and I just say, you know, Mom, it's not about this all the time. Whatever I learned. Look, I'm not a fucking, you know, I talk about this, but, I, you know, I went to a wellness center. I go to therapy. I do meditation. I do things. I don't, I don't know anything. All I can tell you is what works for me and is what is working for me. Yeah. So I have helped myself and I think helped my relationship and just become a better human being by putting the work in. So what upsets me is when someone else doesn't want to put the fucking work in. So like, hey, go see someone or, you know, and if they don't, then I have to go, okay, well, I'm taking care of myself. So what can I do to protect myself? Because I'm doing a lot of work here and I deserve certain, you know, whatever. I yeah. mean, I think in those, in familiar relationships, it's harder to kind of make demands like that. But in personal relationships, yeah. obviously you, you create the terms with the other person. Yeah. But in familiar relationships, it's a lot harder. You just kind of, you, you, you got to take what's valuable from it. This is, and this is just me speaking to myself. I'm not telling you in any way what you, can tell you me. should do. Um, tell me. But, but, uh, tell me, but I'm trying to take what's cause she's, my, my mother is an incredible woman, yeah. uh, incredibly strong, incredibly caring and battling, um, um, developmental stage in her life. That was so difficult. Her mom was a nun who her father convinced not to go into the nunnery and give herself to God. And instead of marrying God, marry a human man who pales in comparison to God. Which should have been Bill Cartwright. And well, that's, well, that's my mom yeah, later. Yeah, 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 right, but right. my grandmother, her mother married a, a human man who never like, who could never make her happy. She wanted a different life and gave it up for a man who I think was incredible. My grandfather was a great dude. Amazing <laughs> sense of humor. But was he God? 
he wasn't God, it turns out, and that was the problem. Uh, but he was he just had a great sense of humor and huge heart. Great man. Yeah. And she was I only remember her being miserable. And that was in her older age. But I, I all the stories that I heard from their childhood was that has a huge effect on you. Huge. Like all these things that you fight with your mother and or father about whenever you talk to them. That isn't even like who you are now. It's who you were and you're it's sort of who I become too. In a way it's, it's, it's always a part of you. I sure. mean, these things that happen to you during your life and you're, you know, and it's just, this is what happened. This is how I felt. This is what I had as a child. And you have to get to a certain age where you're like, all right, well now I'm an adult. So I could go work on my shit or I could just blame the fucking world. Yeah. So you have to at some point just go, all right, here's the reality. This is what we're doing. I am going to, change the way I think I'm going to work on myself. I'm not going to blame this. And, and I have people in my family and I have friends that they, you know, it's always about, well, this, my dad's a fuck up and this is this. And you just have to, and I have a relationship with, with my mother and my father, but again, it's on, you know, I feel like it's on my terms in a way, like, look at, they call me. I'm going to, I'm just saying that I'm not going to allow them to make me feel a certain way. I'm going to walk away from something or tell them, Hey, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to hang up the phone right now. I'm not comfortable. I don't like where this is going. And I'm going to call you out on your bullshit. If you say something that didn't happen, if we're talking about the past when I know it did in my, my eyes and it actually happened to me, don't say it didn't. You know what I mean? So yeah. don't fuck with people's memories or the yeah. way they perceive things. That's why I try to talk about different things. Perhaps. That's interesting. That's, those are tough things to combat. You just want someone to go, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm not just saying your parents just own up to it. Yeah. I own up, I will own up to as much as I possibly can. I will say just speaking for my mother, she's owned up. That's one of the beautiful things about our relationship is that I've, I, because I've started saying, Hey, look, I'm, I can't talk to you for a little while. Uh, you did something. It hurt me. I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk to you when I can, but I just need, I need time. And, and then I'll go back and revisit and she'll say what's happening like and and it's on my terms that we're meeting i'm i'm not going to be forced to i still love her there's that that gap doesn't create no doubt, right. some sort of anger or hostility in fact it's it's me doing what you do on the phone which is taking a breath and remembering that she's not doing any of these things on purpose she didn't want to hurt me the way that she did she perhaps made a selfish action that's it and the effects of which had she known would be so severe, she probably would have made a different decision. But because in that moment, mm. she's only thinking about herself, she's making the best decision with what she knows. And so later Strong. I can say, wow. here is what you did. This wasn't your intention, but this is the effect it had on me. It hurt me tremendously. I still love you. I want you to know that things like that make me recoil. And I will do my best to make sure that you don't have the opportunity to hurt me like that again. This doesn't change that I love you. I still love you tremendously. And I will still see you as much as I can. In that situation, you will not find me again. Uh, and I, and I, that's, that's honest. And that's, that's also holding them accountable. Yeah. And holding yourself accountable for like talking up for you, like spe speaking yeah. up, not just hiding behind like that's bullshit. I'm not going to say anything about it. Fuck them. And then you have all these reasons. Cause I think that's what's happened to me for a long time is it just, you just get more resentful, right? You just start thinking, wow, 
it's like I can't even talk to some people about things because their view of what happened, and I'm not crazy or completely, but I really have a, a vivid memory of certain things that's so pure and so honest and so at times fucked that how could they see so far apart from me? How could they not acknowledge what I'm saying? Yeah. And just even if they don't see it that way. So I listen, I am fucking sorry. I am deeply sorry if 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 you if you felt that way, if I was like that, I I I I, I guess I wasn't aware and I was being selfish or whatever, but I but there, there's some kind of uh it's brave to do that. It's brave to own up to it. And sometimes you don't have to own up to it because you're right, but own up to it because you might be wrong. I think that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're just wrong. Maybe the way I was affected by something which really hurt me and affected me as a child, that's my truth. So just respect my truth. Yeah. And I think that's pretty... Yeah, anyway, back to freaks and geeks. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, cool. Yeah, don't forget to go over my resume. Um, <laughs> no, uh, this has been, this, look, this is great. But, you know, some things happen. Like I read that, you know, after Freaks and Geeks, you were depressed because of about one season. Will I work again? You were talking about uh, working in the coffee industry. What was it? I was a barista for one day, maybe five hours. I made $2, not to brag. From the tip jar, someone was nice enough to say, here, 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 take this. I was in my early 20s at this point, and I just didn't feel like I was going to work out in this business. Um, and I didn't, I think I'd lost some passion for it too at that point because it sucks. Like the people that you, it's a business. And when you meet enough of just the business and you get fucking beat to shit by the business, you're like, wait. The thing that I love doesn't exist here anymore. You really thought no one was going to cast you. Your acting career is over. Yeah, I did. I didn't. I didn't really feel like it was a place where I could thrive anymore. That I had the kind of relationships that were valuable. Um, just because it's, I love working and I love meeting new people and I love new experiences like that. Spider Man is one that was very fun. Obviously, Silicon Valley. And now those have become family. And and those are the experiences that I only want. That's all I'm here for. And and ending up on a show where it isn't like that or doing doing something that feels like business, like the only purpose that most of the people are there with is to make money. It, that isn't that isn't what I'm interested in. And that's what it kind of felt like was only possible. And that was shunning me. Um, so I've I got really lucky. Knocked up happened. And then my life shifted. Do you think you're grown up enough? <laughs> Maybe not the term. Do you think you're mature enough? Do you think you have had enough life hit you in the face that if something happens now where you don't work for some reason and you just stop working for a while, that you would have that level of like, I'm not going to fall apart. I'm not going to get depressed. I'm going to do what I can and figure it out. Never. I don't think it's possible for me. I, I also... What do you mean it's not possible for you to do what? I, I don't think it's possible. I, I don't think that's how I'm... Wired? Well, even when we would shoot Silicon Valley and I felt confident because HBO was so, uh, was such a proponent of the show and was so supportive and with us, I felt always good that we would come back season one, two, three, like once, once season two happened, then I was like, Oh great. We'll run as long as we want to, as long right, as Mike right. and Alec are excited about this, we're rolling. And even then at the end of every season, there's just, it's like going to, a. um, a wedding or a bar mitzvah or a party for months 
where you like go and you see your friends and you're like, this is the best, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Then the weekend's over and, and you're the, fucked. You yeah. feel like shit. And it's all over. So that's how you feel and at Monday the end of every around. season. Yeah. You get depressed. Oh, absolutely. Like when you talk about depression, do you talk about like it's situational depression or is it really like if this show doesn't come back, what am I going to do? No, it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it's uh, situ- situational. It's definitely not. It's more just like lashing out probably at the people around me and, and, and wanting to like sit at home and sulk a bit for a bit. But th- that, that, that's something that I think fades within a couple of weeks. And there's still kind of like a lingering, like just missing residual a, a, a effect longing, of like, right. yeah, for what that was. But now, like we finished in um, October. I think we finished on October or November, and I haven't worked since. I've I've worked on a friend's show here and there. I've All right, done... well, hang on. I want to let you know something. That's called Thanksgiving and the holidays, and now it's January. So yeah, I don't have something like lined up. I'm not. Are you freaking out? I I'm old enough now to recognize the thing that you're getting at. I think I'm getting at it, which is, and I think I'm finally in the awareness part of the cycle currently so that I can calm down. Cause coming back in January after the holidays, I was like, fuck, I need a job. I need a fucking job. Like, how's that going to happen? But don't um, you ever sit back and go, God, I have millions of dollars now. I don't. Well, that we are in different situations. I don't no, live no, no, on. No, no, no. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't on. live on. I, uh, I looked up your net worth on Wikipedia. How's that? It just says it's. It's probably not accurate. It's but let me. Not, you did it's suck def- on it's definitely but not. But you accurate. did suck at Valley for six years. I mean, you're not broke. You, and I, what I'm trying to say is no. this: you don't have to work right away if you if you don't want to. That is a good thing that I have ex- that I now have the luxury of experience. It's a great thing. Yes, which is not a lucky thing. It's an unusual thing for me. In my, because this is the first time I've been on a show for more than two years. So this is the first time you get to a point where you renegotiate, and I'll have something sitting there. After each season, I've been without worry to like not work in between. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's not a luxury that anyone has that isn't independently wealthy from their parents or something. Right. And so to have created that for myself is is very fortunate, and I'm just enjoying this Good. for what it is. How hard are you on yourself? Do you do you get anxiety? Do you do you uh, are you a quick learner with? When, I always ask this to people: Are you a quick learner with your lines? Are you someone who stresses about performance? Was I good enough, or do you let things go? Do you watch yourself? A lot of questions here, but overall, it's that feeling of just: Are you really confident about things, or do you are you just as insecure as anybody else? It depends. On Silicon Valley, it was real difficult to learn the monologues. That oh, I had. man. Yeah, those lines. IT shit. Because it's all foreign. It's, oh, it's yeah. speaking French. Yeah, like lines like, I like the sound of you chortling on my ball sack. No, no, that one's easy. Got that. That memorized. one's easy. Yeah. Or uh, maybe spoken by a 280-pound pile of shit. Is that uh, hard to memorize? Oh, no, that one, that one I get. I didn't know you weighed that much. Um, <laughs> I just jokes. Um, They're jokes I, it, in the show. It was, I know, yeah, I know. Uh, the... The I wasn't one, telling the, you. No, I, I was telling you. Uh, the ones that are difficult are like the all the tech mumbo jumbo jargon, which I, especially this last season. And there was one week where I worked like usually, and maybe you've had different experiences, but I can't say in this business I've really worked much because most of the time it's very plush. It's, you know, the 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 worst it gets is the crunch of 
doing an independent movie where you have no money, no budget, and you're trying to get a day. You're trying to get your eight, nine, ten pages in a day. Well, That's we, the hardest. We don't have time for two or three takes. Martin Warner. We got it. We have to. We you know we don't have time for this because we need three or four takes for something else later today that's more important. And and that's it's all like scheduling stuff. But this there was one week that we were our schedule was manipulated because of uh Kumail had other obligations and so his Movie. his schedule was shifted and that and that shifted our entire schedule. And so there's one day I was on three and a half hours of sleep. And that was the day that I had the biggest fucking monologue of this season. And I just had so much trouble. Were you terrified? I No, I just felt bad. I just felt unprofessional. Were they upset with you? No one was upset. No, that's, I, that's like, usually the case. If you're crew, mostly, yeah. if you're mostly professional, but in our heads, we're but like, it, uh, it, it also like it, it was my brain couldn't function. They say that you shouldn't drive if you've had less than five hours sleep, four hours sleep, because ooh. it's the, the equivalent of being drunk. And your brain just isn't firing on all cylinders. Right. Uh, and they were fortunate. They, uh, or we were fortunate. I was fortunate. They sent a car, so I didn't drive that day. But I had to do other things that I couldn't do drunk. And this was one of them, was say a, a page and a half. It was three pages, I think, total with little bits that other people were doing in between. But there were massive, massive, were you, were- incoherent monologues were you getting anxiety were you getting a little t- tingly feeling like oh my god oh my god i'm fucking up i'm fucking up yeah for yeah. sure yeah like nervous yeah. like this sucks i'm not an actor i'm not good i'm gonna get fired this is why i shouldn't act just get me through the scene i'm done because that's what goes through my fucking mind i made those jokes i didn't feel i mean this is our final season so i wasn't like I, i'm gonna get Fire fired Martin. yeah but i made those jokes because that feels that makes me feel com- more comfortable um but it, it was it was more I was. I just kind of felt. We've all been there. Just guilty. Loads I just, of times. I just felt. Like, I honestly like here. I am fucking living. Yeah, whatever. Dude, I honestly said that this to a director because he was asking me to like, do these something. These are the hardest things that happened in my life. Like I'm living a pretty but, fucking. But, but they are terrifying. Sweet, it is terrifying. Yeah. I have asked the director. I go, listen, man. I'm thinking about getting an earwig. Earwig. Yeah, I'd like to because you don't see it. I know Robert Downey Jr. wears one, and I'd love to just have one. And someone just. Throw the lines at me so I never have to worry about lines because lines always fucking scare the shit. What they say? I do it. Okay, I don't give a shit as long as dis- distract everybody else. I'm like, how about uh, you know, uh, cue cards? Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I would. I'm just saying to make it easier when it's those big days yeah. where it's like you know, if you have a big monologue, I could do it twice if you just fucking you know, if I don't have to fucking. Or you could be a professional. Just I'm, I don't have the gift like certain actresses who or actors who've been on here. Uh, Kristen Bell. There's certain actors who go, oh yeah, She's I could, great. I could yeah. learn it in the fucking. I know you worked with her. I could learn it in the trailer. I'm like, I can't fuck She's you. The sweetest. I mean, her brain. It's genius. Is far more gifted than mine. But I think also it helps how much she does those kinds of things. Like those exercises just build that muscle. The more you do it, and she's constantly working. She's constantly doing everything that she can and she's she does music too so she's like learning new songs and just kind of she doesn't stop she just doesn't stop you know what's funny she has a motor that i don't envy her i love her yes and i I think she's one of the most i don't envy that schedule philanthropic for genius great mom all that i'm throwing every compliment at her all i'm saying is i never want to work that much i don't know how someone uh i don't know i don't get it for me, I'm not envious. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not, but, but, I'm not like envious of the schedule. Have, but her talent, I wish she, I, I, could, I, wish I could sing so badly. It would be the coolest thing to be able to sing. Look, if I could sing, I have an album out. You could, you could sing. Uh huh. 
Hey, uh, for uh, freaks, <laughs> for freaks and geeks, you I heard this. You might deny it mm. that you bulked up for freaks and geeks for something, and the producer said no. So then you had uh, at the gym locker scenes, you wore a robe. I had to wear a robe. Yeah. Were you upset about it? <clears throat> no, I don't care. Uh, Franco and I were working out at the gym at the on the lot. Which what was the lot that we were at? Uh, it's right across from Paramount. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't think so. It's been there for so long. I forget the, I forget the name of it at the moment. Um, anyway, you're working out with Franco. Franco and I were working out at the gym. It was a bad idea. I shouldn't have been working out. It wasn't prof- that. It certainly wasn't professional. Why wasn't it professional? Oh, because it wasn't in character. I mean, yeah, you're. A I was preparing ner- for my personal life when my show, right. when I was going to have to do things for work. I'm that, getting in shape. What's wrong with that? You tell me I can't get in shape. How dare you, Paramount? N- oh no, it was it. They weren't. Ah, okay, I got it was Judd. I mean, it was Judd and and Paul. I think they were just kind of. <laughs> they come to your trailer. Hey, Martin. If I remember correctly, they just made fun of me when it happened. Really? They weren't like, "Hey, drop down to 15s. No, and and I wore the. So there was another episode where I'm I'm the Bionic Woman, and I have a I bra remember. on. And there was this. There was part of it which I, I think they cut out fully, where I'm shirtless and, and I you put, look good. I put all those things on. Uh, the bra and everything on, and instead of ever showing me shirtless, they just—it's just me in the bra. I think so. It starts there so that you can't see as much of me being in any sort of shape, and and uh, that helped mitigate my muscles. Did that bother you? Uh, no, I, I I had nothing to. I still was a virgin for long after that. Really? Uh, yeah. When uh, were you not a virgin? What year? What, what year? And and how old were you? Twenty twelve. No. Um, well, I mean, you know, it was uh, it was the spring of nineteen ninety. Oh no, uh, it was two thousand and two. I guess it must have been two thousand two, two thousand four. So you were twenty two, twenty two, twenty two years old. I've been with my girlfriend for two months. I want. Was say. it a good experience? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, and I then was, you got used to it. I was in love. At at some point, I was like, it didn't happen yet. I want to make sure that it's meaningful. And so I waited for it to be meaningful. And I was with my girlfriend of a few months and we ended up being together for a year and then it didn't kind of feel right. There was something that, and so we ended up breaking up, but uh, yeah, it all worked out. Did you use a condom at 22 for the first time? I did not. I think she was on the, the control. She was controlling she was her cruise body. Control. Yes. Right. Um, if I remember correctly, but you know what? I actually, we, we might have it first. Okay. First little bit. Yeah. yeah. We'll rub. Anyway. Rubby. Yeah. What kind of details do you, <laughs> I didn't know this was that kind what of podcast. What else do you want to know about yeah. you, huh? Uh, <laughs> this is fun. So look, everything started happening and we, you know, obviously this is, you know, the part of the conversation where it doesn't mean anything. Oh, no, it great. does. Of course yeah, it does. Yeah. But you, you did. You it. went to Knocked Up. Judd started using you for things. He didn't use everybody. There's like some of the actors in that that he never used again and I've never seen, right? Yeah, I guess that, I mean, the, that, because it wasn't everyone from Undeclared and it wasn't everyone from Freaks and Geeks that did Knocked Up. It was kind of like our group of friends and I guess Jonah was in there. Yeah, it was just kind of like a, our, our little group of friends all came together to be Seth's friends in that movie and it all felt natural. And do you still, are you close with Judd? Um, could you call him up right now and go, Hey, just, it's been a while. I bet if I did call him up, he would answer and we could like grab lunch or something. But I, I guess I just have never thought to, 
I like him. I, I mean, I, whenever I see him, and I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity that he's given me. Yeah, it's and, fantastic. And, and how much care he gave to making the set that, especially Freaks and Geeks, was kind of conducive to our growth, too, like protecting us. And and um, that was he was he really put everything into um, making it the best environment for us as young people. Maybe you just uh, you get lunch and he goes, "Oh yeah, Martin. Of course, I love Martin. He's so talented. I'll put him in the next thing." Just a reminder. I'm, oh. I'm Martin. Here I am. I don't have relationships like that. You don't care about that. I don't think that's uh, that wouldn't be my motivation for. Well, of course not motivation, but it's like, hey, he's a friend. I've been I worked on movies with him. I want to see him. And a little reminder that I'm still. There are times where I want, where I where I where I want to be more like that, like more minded. Opportunistic is the bad word. That'd be the bad word of it, but that's not what I'm but saying. That's not a bad word. It, it is, depends it, on the opportunity. There's all terms. If you like someone, you're like whatever. Hey, I remember I, I called a friend who's doing a movie, and I was just like, Hey, how's it going? Is there anything in that for your uh, your your buddy uh, Rosie? I don't give a shit. Yeah, so friend. If I have a connection, why wouldn't I use it? And it's up to him how right. he how he takes that energy. But and and I mean, I hear s- stories too here and there of people who are in Judd's world, who are incredibly talented, and they should work nonstop. And for whatever reason, they don't. And they they have the same bluntness with their words, and it ends up working out that they get to be in things that they should be in anyway. Right. So I I see nothing wrong with that. It just isn't a, a world in which I feel it, it's not a way in which I feel comfortable operating. And when James and uh, Seth, do you still talk to those guys? I just saw Seth a week ago. We did. Uh, he has a pottery. He has three pottery wheels at his place. And what? I went over and did pottery. With Never him. done pottery. That seems pretty cool. I've done it. A f- I did it a few times. The soothing. It's the best. Does it really take your mind off life for a minute? It's meditative. It's great doing something with your hands. You know what else I did, which is incredible, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I got very into kitchen knives. Like Japanese kitchen knives? All kinds of kitchen knives. Well, Ger- don't Ger- Japanese make the best? German steel is meant to be one of the best. Japanese Japanese knives are rather incredible, but I think those are almost infamous because of sushi. Do you have a lot of these knives at home? I've got a lot of knives. If you had one set of knives to say, hey, you should get this, if you want a really good set of steak knives and all around a good set of knives, what set is that? I made my own kitchen knife. Come on. Star Uh, knives? I don't think that'll be a thing. Maybe it will. Uh, But I have thought about getting, like, if I'm not working... Going and focusing on something like like Seth is making <laughs> at his house, it's there's a giant table full of all the pottery that they've made him and his wife Lauren and and then outside is a ton more work that's in progress and then in their garage is just everywhere things like mid process and it's so much more than you could like nobody needs more than a, a few ashtrays how many rooms do you have in your house. And he, he easily has like 50 ashtrays. And I'm sure he's got plans to do something with them. But that I'm just like, well, like kitchen knives I could make for a while. But then what am I going to start doing? Like at some point I'm going to have more kitchen knives than I'll ever use right. in my lifetime. Then they just become gifts. And I start giving, hey, good to see you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I brought you this knife. Oh, uh, great. As a thank you for Ooh, sharp, having man. me on you your tell me podcast. That? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, that... I don't know. But I like this. I like the I pottery it, stuff yeah. because I like the it's knives. Very fun. Because what do we do, Ryan? On Friday night, I have people come over and what do we do? Art night. Art night. 
Fart night. I'm terrible. Well, that too. All right. But I'm terrible at that. But it, 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 it's it, you, you're present. It. You're focused. You're just like enjoying you guys, things. You don't have to be great. Is it paint? Is it specific art? Is it painting? Watercolors. Uh, what? No, you just sort of bring a thing and you just draw whatever's uh, whatever whatever's in your heart. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes those like themes, like if you want to, but it doesn't matter. Some people go like, I don't want to do that theme because I'm not an artist. That's one thing. It's one thing where when I do it, I could just go. I don't have to be great at it. I don't have to be. Good. I'm just gonna do it and get lost in it, and that really helps my mind. Mm-hmm. It gives me a little peace. And so I started having art nights probably about six months ago. I'm the least talented out of everybody. And again, that's not what I, it's about. If I if I made it out, you would have a new bottom. Uh, well, I hope so. You got it. Maybe you could do the KC emblem on a... No, there's actually a dinosaur fucking a robot that I'm working on painting right now. Dinosaur so. fucking a robot. So I'll bring that over and work on it. Is that true? Yeah, my buddy painted it on my wall. I I needed a real <laughs> pick me up. This was I forget why I was depressed, but he came over to cheer me up, and he painted a dinosaur fucking a robot on my wall. Did it cheer you up? And it made me so happy. And so now I'm painting it on a toolbox for him, a woodworking toolbox. I think that should be a uh, a TV show, like on Spike TV or something. A dinosaur fucking a robot. Dinobots. I feel like it is. That was a show. Was that a show? But they weren't fucking robots. No. Well, you got a point. How do you get a Dinobot, though? Oh, my man. Uh, this is uh, from Patreons. I have this Patreon thing, and these are from patrons asking questions for you. Quick, laser-like. It's called Shit Talking with Rosenbaum. Okay. All Wait, right. Do you charge them to ask you questions? No. Isn't that how Patreon works? No, they just join if they want to, if they want to be uh, help, you know, towards the podcast. They like it. They want some behind-the-scenes footage. They want, like, Q&A, special things that only they get. So they can do whatever they want. You don't have to join it, but they join it and they love it. People love it. It's really cool. So shit talking with Rosemont. Here it is. Who's your, Angie, who's your favorite Muppet? Who's the guy with the long nose? Pinocchio? No, no, no. The blue. That's Gonzo. 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 That's it. Gonzo. Yeah. That's, it. That's a good one. That's my remember guy. Remember Gonzo talked? Uh, hey there. Girl. I don't remember. I'm not going to do it. Sophie M., do you have any great stories from the set of Roswell? Oh. Uh, that's where, uh, you know what? No. I probably do. It just takes too much to to dredge them out. A better question is, quickly, yes or no, do you believe in extraterrestrials? Yeah. I mean, we're not the only life form in the universe. Do you think they're walking around amidst all of that? I don't know. Okay. You don't have to answer that right now. They've probably made some sort of contact with our planet. I don't know what that means. I can't. Uh, Uh, Roswell. I mean, if I had that level of uh, clearance, I would immediately go to Roswell just to know what's going on. Jason D., which actor would make you laugh the most in the set of Knocked Up? Jay. Jay and I would, um, Jay Baruchel and I would drive to work together on on many occasions, and we just had a hoot. We had a real hoot because he didn't have a car out here. And he, he's from Montreal, and he just also didn't like driving. So I'd pick him up, and we'd drive to work together um, on occasion. It's nice of you. Jerry W. Recently watched Intruders. Oh, yeah. Which we enjoyed. What was it like to play such an intense character? Fun. A good departure from the other stuff that I do. I like playing a killer. I think you can do that pretty well. It was. Uh, I enjoyed it, yeah. I could see it in your eyes. Set right in. You want to, you're, you're great at playing nerds or assholes or this, but when you get to play a little bit deeper and do your shit. Yeah. There's, I definitely have that. I can, I feel like because what I learned initially was improv, it just, it, it taught me to act kind of inside out and really just find something like tap into parts of myself that, feel authentic and natural to whatever it is 
And there, we all have all of those things. And I think it helped me just maintain contact with those so I can use them if I need them. And that was really fun to just be a real piece of shit who is a real piece of shit. Andrew C., how jealous are you of Kamel's, I said that right, Kamel? Yeah, Kamel. Kamel? Kamel Nanjiani's abs. Be honest, this is a safe space. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd take some abs if you're handing them out. Good body. Yeah, he's put a lot of work into his body, and it's paid off. Lucas, was he, I'm gluten-free, I'm, I'm dairy-free. He was doing the pa- paleo? Paleo. Is it paleo? I don't know. Kinesio? Can- 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 uh, can- uh, keto. Keto. He was doing the keto diet, which... Initially, I think he he put on a fair (laughs) amount of weight and muscle, and then keto just rips all the fat off because you start using fat as an energy source, um, and you're not eating carbs. You're just eating proteins and fats and things, and so you, the way that your body, the energy that your body consumes isn't calories in the same. It's not um, carbs anymore. We all use carbs for energy. You really but learned about you those. You start using fat for energy. Like your body shifts. So it's probably eating late in the morning. Don't eat right away. And then I think shit. he also does that. Where, there you go. Yeah. All right. Lucas M., are you as cynical and complex as your character's persona on Silicon Valley? Cynical, yeah, for sure. We all got that, right? Yeah, but you're not as much as a dick. You know what I realized when we, because we would do a lot of Q&As for Silicon Valley, and I realized. You become that character? No. Well, when I was myself, the audience didn't respond as well. So, so then if I would just turn that up, that part of the dial up a little bit, they loved it. Reading the audience. <laughs> just like, I was like, oh wait, you don't want me. You want us all to like come up here and be our characters. And I'm, I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, they don't get that. Fuck with, it. I'd yeah. rather get a laugh and enjoy this experience than like share some part of my soul <laughs> with strangers who don't really care. <laughs> Matthew J, what are your favorite Gilfoyle invoked joke from Silicon Valley if you had to pick? My favorite has to be. The let Blaine die chart. Oh, that is a good one. I think the dick joke is uh, goes down all time as one of, one of the one of the most fun ones. What was it again? We're all just fucking. Yeah. Like, how fast could you jerk off a whole room full of dudes? And then Kumail and I actually went and presented at like the Smart People Awards. I forget where it. I forget what it was actually called, but it was like geniuses like actual scientific geniuses yes like just people who were changing the planet changing the way that we live here and uh we were giving an award we were we were like going up and and we were going over our uh speech or like our back and forth kumail and i on our on our way up on the flight to san francisco and we're like let's let's just scrap all this and we'll improvise a thing where we do the dick joke, but like in this room, how long would it take for us to do to jack off everyone in this room? It didn't go over very well, but it was so fun to watch that joke bomb. It was so rewarding. You didn't get nervous at all. Yeah. Well, I, not really. Like once you're up there, no one else is funny. You're at a smart people convention. The, the, you just went, the, okay, the, bud. the emphasis isn't humor, right? Um, so it makes sense that it also makes sense that it bombed. Lisa, last three questions. Favorite memory from Freaks and Geeks set? Just, just too many. I, I mean, I... Who's your favorite? Like, the one person you just gravitated towards. It's like, I just I just want to be around this guy. John and I are close. Seth and I ended up living together after the show was done, and we, got, we were very close. Um, Jason and I were close for a bit, and now it's been so long. I don't... I don't 
I think Linda is easily the person that everyone just kind of gravitates She's towards. amazing. I she love just, Linda. She just has such a huge heart. Uh-huh. Um, and is, she was, she always felt like an older sister in, in such an incredible, comforting, sweet, caring way. She's great. Angelina G, what direction do you think or would have liked to see Freaks and Geeks go had, had it taken, had it been able to continue? I mean, that's hard. So this is a question from Angelina Jolie. Um, Angelina G. Wow. Lee. Wow. Uh, well, Angie. I mean, that's a hard one. Let's. Uh, well, they had already talked about it. Uh, so why don't you go look that up, Angie? Yeah, Do Angie. your research. Come on, Angelina G. Lee. Uh, they talked about me being a sports, like a sports guy, like going into, like, are the geek squad separating because I was working out, like actually working out behind the scenes. They were like, oh, we'll put him into, like, he'll become an athlete. And, like, not get why he's now disconnected from his geek buddies, like, why they've turned on him. And he'll be accepted into the jock group. And it'll, and it'll like, just, I think that was the shift that they were going to make season two or that three. That could have been fun, and you could have worked out. It would have been crazy. Right. It, 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 it really would have been a weird turn, too, because I think in some ways that character, Bill, was a heart, like, such a deeply heartfelt part of the geek stories. So to like lose that, like what, it changes such a huge dynamic. I don't know how you would really do that and keep. I think you could because you have these guys like you're like, they're on the side sort of like going, can't believe it. Like, does he even know who he is? He's going to come back begging us to be our friend again. What is he doing? These people don't care about him. They don't. It's that whole dynamic, you know, I think that's what it would have been. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and season three, now you're back with the gigs. Yeah. I'm really missed you guys. What happened while I was gone? I don't know. You got big and stupid. <laughs> uh, last one, Mary B. What kind of advice do you have for the actual freaks and geeks of the world? Just be true to you and the world will catch up. Yeah. And especially nowadays, I think geeks and they're, they're cooler. Than, you know, you got it. But it's, it's also like you're raw. Like the things that make you a geek are the things that make you great. Yeah. That's my take on it. Well, dude, this has been fantastic. It, it was deep. I hope you had fun. Did you have fun? Yeah. Yeah, right? It was great catching up with you. It was, man. Last time we hung out, I think you were, you played uh, football with us. Yeah, I came out and uh, you had like actual like college football guys who dominated. But you played well. I did not. But you but can play football. You're, you're, you're athletic. Yeah, I could throw the ball a little bit. But every like everyone there was like real athletes. Like, oh, we played A1 something yeah. whatever a1 refers to i don't know but did you get hurt no did you have fun yeah yeah were I, they nice I thought, yeah, everyone was very it. nice yeah what's your instagram handle all that jazz no it's just my name it's just martin star with yeah. two r's yep right martin star what's at yours? martin star I mean, as long as we're talking well mine's you know, the, uh, the michael <laughs> i think everybody knows it hey man thank you for allowing me to be inside you this was a real treat yeah. i really had fun i'm glad you came in you and- ended all like that huh uh, Thanks for letting me be inside you. Uh, usually, yeah, that's your big ending. That was a throwaway that time, though. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate, I didn't I appreciate let, it. let it linger. I wasn't going to let you throw that one away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I, I want you to come to the Ronald McDonald House with me sometime. I absolutely will, and I want to hang out with you again. I, I was going to say, I, I love seeing you. The microphones yeah. as soon as we were done, I thought about it. Good, I'm glad. Thanks for uh, being so honest because I, I, people out there, you, you wouldn't think it, but they, you've probably helped someone out there. Just the relationship with your family and, and losing your father and all these things that make us human and we have to deal with in life. And it really, it's, it's nice to see you uh, just open up and tell your story. So thanks. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you. Martin's just a good guy. He was open. He just talked about 
things. And I always, you know, sometimes, most of the time I feel pretty comfortable, but he made me feel really comfortable. There's there's times where you feel like you just ask someone anything. Because I, f- I really think he knew the show, whereas, like, maybe he didn't listen to it all the time or even listen to it, but he knows that it's helping people. And they know mm-hmm. that, you know, people are getting something out of it. So if he shares a story, somebody out there is listening going, I can relate to that. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Ha- have your parents listened to it? Uh, They have. They hated it. No, they just... Uh, Jesus Christ, you're laughing. No, because the, the one I told them to listen to because I really liked it was the Joe Latrulio one, but I forgot for the first 10 minutes you talked about colonoscopies and, and shitting what yourself. What are you telling me to watch this? <laughs> listen to this, Ryan. So they didn't like it. No, they enjoy it. Did they? But you don't have to lie to me. You no, can tell me the truth. They didn't enjoy the shit part. They were... T- the shitting? The shitting. They were turned off by that. My mom has a mug. I gave it... She, she has that at work, the one that Inside says... Mug? Uh, yeah. Great. We got tons of uh, shirts and mugs left. We got left on Laurel shit here. Yeah. Uh, big shout out to my patrons. Here we go. You know who you are. I love these guys. And by the way, if you join Patreon, it's helping the show. It's like uh, it, it, whatever it is, a little something. And people always say, I'm sorry, I can only uh, give $5 or a dollar. Just you guys subscribing on YouTube and all, on, on the platform, just subscribing to the show is enough. This is just icing that just sort of, you know, helps because we're not like, a, you know, we're growing. We're, yeah. we're growing. Yeah. So here are the uh, patrons, top tier patrons, Allison, Andrew, Angelina, Barry, Bob, Bob. We didn't have a last name for one of those Bobs, Bob and Bob, oh. Bortex, Chris, Dion, Emily and Emily, Jason, Jason, Jerry, Jill, Trisha, Yukiko, Kevin, Kristen, Lauren, Lee, Mark, Michael, Nancy, Nico, Raj, Robert, Samantha, Sarah, Scott, Sean, Tiana. Thank you guys. I mean, top tiers. I mean, just, I mean, you're, you're, uh, I don't know what to say. Sometimes I just text you and say, thank you so much. Oh my God, you're so kind. And like, of course we love the, we love it. Um, again, if you love the podcast, subscribe on YouTube and subscribe on, uh, all the platforms. If you want to listen on the way to work, it really helps hit that notification bell. So you're notified, spread the word. Um, and that's it tomorrow night. Uh, stage it with me and the boys left on Laurel. I'll go to stage at 7 p.m. I'll be in Mexico this weekend. And remember, Austin, Texas, March 31st. I'm interviewing Zach Levi at the North Door. First show sold out, but there's still tickets for the second one. Check out my Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you'll find it. Also, Zach posted it. It's going to be fantastic. You know, Camp Rosie's around the corner, so look for that. I'm going to read a little fan letter because I always like to read fan letters. This is from Chris from Orlando. Michael, I, I admit I'm late to the party. I didn't know you even had a podcast until Stephen Amell tweeted about his recent experience with having to return to finish an episode with you. Being a huge fan of Arrow and Smallville, I figured there was no way I'd be disappointed. After listening to two episodes, I was hooked. You're by far my favorite talk show host. Am I a talk show host now? You are. Well, how about an actor, writer, and podcast guy? This is a talk show, and you are the host of it. Thank you. I don't know how you crack the code. I can only assume the lack of cameras and your demeanor bring out the vulnerability in people. Although, Chris, now we have cameras, but uh, we're still getting people to open up. I'm now listening to everything from the beginning. You're making people I've never thought twice about into compelling and complex individuals that I'm eager to learn about. Thank you for showing what podcasts really can be if they are given the proper care and respect. Keep up the great work. You've got another dedicated fan that will happily spread the word Chris Orlando Florida that's awesome that is really awesome 
You know, I think, I think that's really nice to hear when people are like, eh, eh, and then they listen and they're like, you know, I like, and they just support it and you're doing something right. I definitely feel like I'm doing something right. I mean, we're doing something right here, Ryan. I think so. We're not trying so, to just be funny. We're not trying to be, we're just talking to people. Yeah. We're not hurting anyone. No, I don't think we're hurting anyone. I mean, some interviews, I'm sure I hurt people's ears. Guys, I can't thank you enough for your, uh, your uh, loyalty. Ryan, mm-hmm. Ryan's working very hard in the video. He's getting it down. Give him some love. Show up. Uh, even say Ryan, great job on the editing. Or Ryan, you made a mistake. He'll love that. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> He'll love hearing that. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. Until next week, uh, if you're not inside, you're outside. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say something stupid. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.